Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects, and they have been since 1972. As I look outside, I see way more snow than I prefer coming down, so you're going to need Denver Rubber Company as your one-stop shop for anything and everything snowplows. They make snowplow blades that can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet whatever your specifications might be, and the blades are even double-sided, so you get twice the use out of them compared to some of the regular blades out there as always tweet at us if you get hooked up with new snowplow blades or anything else they're great for all sorts of projects they have fabricating things that can make pretty much anything under the sun ranging from materials and bulletproof vests to things inside of wind turbine blades they can hook you up be sure to give them a call for anything snowplow needs at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer to try, and you can get that delivered to your front door when you go download their app, get on there, sign up for their loyalty program. You get some great deals that way as well, and they'll ship you your Breck brew or whatever you might need. You can also use things like Drizzly to do that, but Davidson's does have an incredible selection of all sorts of stuff that I highly recommend you get on. And again, that loyalty program will get you some great deals. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We are back again as requested. Everyone seems to want us to keep doing question shows, even if there is no live hockey going on. So that's what the people want. That is what we are going to do. AJ, are you ready to answer some strange questions? I am. I I was honestly surprised. We put out the poll today and said, hey, how do you guys feel about the Q&A shows continuing to happen weekly? And the response was do that. Yes. Yep. So overwhelmingly so. If it was closer, we might hedge our bets a little bit, but uh, that poll dominated in one direction. So you guys want weird? We're here to get weird. Let's get weird. (laughs) Uh, We will get to some weird ones, I assure you. But let's start off with one that's a little bit more mechanical here in Rich asks, any thoughts on who or when the Avs will reach out to sign any of their college prospects a la Morrison or UFA college players? As we have seen, some teams have signed a few of their prospects in this downtime that they have. Uh, I'm sure that I, I'm sure they've talked, honestly. Yeah. Um, they There's no doubt they know where Morrison stands. Uh, Morrison should know where they stand, et cetera, et cetera. And um honestly i would like for them to get it done i <laughs> i would like to have cam morrison in the system and see what he has 
um, as a pro player away from Notre Dame and kind of what it looks like for everybody involved. Uh, I just, you know, I think after four years, you and in, you invested a top pick in him. You know, it, it's not like he was a bad college player. Just see what he has. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt them in any way just to, just to find out what he's got. Yep. So I, I, I think that they should see what's up. I think that they owe it to him. I think that it makes sense. Um, I have, I have no, I have no bones about bringing him in. Um, I think and they should do it. As we'll get to on a question later in the show, they have plenty of room on their AHL forward core to bring him in if they want to. It's not yep. like it's a big crunch or anything. So it would be very easy to give him that opportunity. I think they should do it as well because why not? It, any chance to get something out of a prospect is one you might as well take. <laughs> so, yeah, well, and and as you as you mentioned, I mean, the space involved. Yep. Where, um, what are you going to do with it? You know, are you would you rather have Eric Condra or would you rather see what you've got in Cam Morrison? Exactly. So that's where I'm at with it. Is is why not give him a chance? And if he gets in the AHL and he just doesn't have it, then he doesn't have it. It is what it is. But right. you won't know that until you try it. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> I I'm of the opinion that there's no downside here. Yep. They're not up against the contract limit. They're not um hurting for space. They don't have so many prospects at that position. There just isn't a good reason not to do it unless they have the evaluation. Their evaluation just says, "Hey, this is going to be a waste of time." If they think if they just truly don't believe he's any good and that he's he's worth the investment, then if that's your evaluation of the player, then okay, don't. Which I think might be where both of us lie on Dennis Smirnov at this point. But. Yeah, it is. But the same thing. Like, if they wanted to give Dennis Smirnov an ELC, I don't have any strong objections to that. I don't have any problem just saying, hey, okay, see what see what he has. Right. And it, they're two-year deals because they're older players. Exactly. And this it's is not, very easy, yeah. This, this is not a major... Uh, this is not a major commitment here. It's the it's the Logan O'Connor ELC. See what you got. If you have a player, great. Uh, and if you don't, then you move on. And then on the, the college UFA side of things, I can't imagine the Avs really have much room for them. I know we just said they have AHL room, but generally speaking, and why the Avs were so involved in that market over the past handful of years is because they had room to give NHL opportunity to those guys. Right, and that's what those guys are looking for most of the time. Some of them are just looking for any pro contract. Um, I imagine that that was the position that Callahan Burke was in, for example. Yep. Um, But guys that are, you know, the higher-end guys with multiple offers who who are weighing NHL opportunities or, you know, a lot of these guys are going to have to play in the AHL and, and prove something before they just jump in there. But they're going to go to an organization where they, they think that they can, they see a potential opportunity to make right. a jump. There's a, there's a roadmap there for them that they believe that they'll be able to uh, make use of. And with the number of internal guys the Avs already have, that's getting a lot harder to see in the Avs organization. 
Definitely. The abs are just not in that place anymore where they're the, they're that team. Yep. So probably don't expect them to be too active in that college UFA market anyway. Um, Next question. We actually got this half a question, half a statement from multiple people, uh, essentially boiling down to are you guys being AJ and I glad that the abs didn't go out and get a bunch of rentals and give up a bunch of assets for a playoffs that now might not even happen. Uh, I mean, I didn't want them to do that anyway. Yeah, I, I didn't really either. I think both of us with our trade deals that we talked about were let's get someone for the abs that can be here for a long time. Yeah. Or, or like, let's get a Nemesnikov type guy, like where it's, it's fine. You gave up a fourth round pick and that was right. (laughs) Where the cost of it, you're just, you kind of just shrug it off, honestly. Yep. And we still haven't had that podcast, but at some point we'll have to deep dive into is Nemesnikov coming back or not? Yeah, when we'll definitely get to that. Well, you know, we we haven't uh, potentially an awful lot of time, and we'll see how it goes. So it'll that'll be something that we tackle eventually because it's an interesting topic, and he's made it interesting with the way he's played. Yeah, certainly. But, the- no, neither one of us were were after. Um, when like, the playoffs were still on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was not like go crazy. You have to get Chris Kreider. You have to do this. You know, if if the price was there and they were comfortable with the contract, okay, great. It would make sense. But it was never it was never at that point of like you and I being just like, oh my gosh, this yeah. this it just wasn't the year for that. It I mean, right even, at the beginning of this. There, even no when we were sure. back in November talking about Taylor Hall, that was all centered around extending him after trading for him. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then uh, hell, even with the price that they paid. Yep. Uh, it would not have been, it would not have been that big of a deal to even right. go the rental route because they got him for so cheap. Yeah. That ended up being surprisingly cheap, but yeah. Well, um, Maybe don't make your moves in December. One more question for this segment. And I know, AJ, you might have some plans for this one so we can keep it brief, but Quoteless Jones asks, who would win the 2020 Stanley Cup if teams were only made up of players that they drafted? Um, I mean, you have to feel like Tampa Bay has. Yeah, that that's the team that came to my mind immediately. It was Tampa. The big the big thing is, is the defense. Yep. Sergeyev come back and <laughs> like between uh, between the forwards though and Vasilevsky, I feel like you're uh, a much more improved version of this year's Winnipeg at worst, which is certainly pretty decent playoff caliber. Yeah, and and just and a really high end uh, offensive team. So. I mean, I, I I like what they've got. Uh, I, I mean, looked it up on a whim, and you know what? Boston might not be a bad choice either. Oh, Boston! Boston would absolutely be in the conversation. They're very good. Yep. Yeah. Boston is frustratingly good at almost everything, and it's funny because they, you know, obviously they had the the infamous 2015 draft. It's like the one thing that they kind of screwed up. Well, they, they got- had. 
DeBrusque and Brandon Carlo out of that draft anyway. Like, and which like two like solid players, right? Not not incredible for having three first round picks, but right when, when they could have easily and justifiably walked out of those picks with uh, Kyle Connor, Matt Barzal, and Thomas Shabbat, like they right. blew it. They blew Definitely. it, man. They had three first round picks in one of the what's going to go down as one of the great first rounds of all time, and they blew it. And it, they're not paying a major price for it. They lost in Game Seven of the Cup Finals, and they were they've been by far the best regular season team this year. Imagine I, making that caliber of mistake and not paying a price for it. That's how good they've been everywhere else in their organization. Yeah, man, that would be. That'd be mean too. You have a you end up with a Boston team with Sagan on it, Dougie Hamilton. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that'd be gnarly. Yeah, dude, they'd be good. So, a couple of teams off the Not top good of my head would be Dallas. No, <laughs> no, Dallas's drafting would be a bottom feeder team. Yeah, so they would be they would be awful. Yeah, I mean. The abs would be better than four or five years ago now, but uh, yeah, Connor Timmons would definitely have to be on that team. He would not yeah. have the luxury of being in the AHL because they don't have spots. Right, exactly. He'd be top four material at that point, but <clears throat> yeah, oh, definitely. It'd be like yeah. it'd be like Tyson Berry and Kale McCarr and Connor Timmons and like Cameron Gantz. Uh, Anton Lindholm, baby. Yeah, right. It would dry up fast. <laughs> so, yeah, probably wouldn't be the greatest thing in the world for the Avs, but maybe that will change a couple years down the line. Either way, we'll get out of this first period here for you, and it's time to recognize Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Was sipping on a vanilla porter for the Denver Sports Pod earlier today. Recommend you go check out that podcast as well if you haven't yet. But Breck has a bunch of awesome beers for you that you can now get through Drizzly. As I mentioned earlier, they will deliver beer right to your door. I used it the other night, got the Breckenridge 12-pack uh, sampler, so four different types of Breck brews. Found out they have their uh, their new seasonal in there, the the Raspberry Wit, which is delicious. I think even AJ might enjoy that one. Well, I guess, I are you a Raspberry fan, AJ? I don't know. I do like it, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. He's tried it. Look at this guy. Tell you anyway, what. I, try to, I try to stay on top of some things. Sometimes. Sometimes yeah. AJ's on top. He's certainly on top of his hockey. We know that for That's sure. That's about the only thing I'm reliably on top of. Everything <laughs> else, very hit or miss. Same, to be honest. Uh, but you can use Drizzly for delivery, or if you want, you can always go pick it up from the Breckenridge Brewery Farmhouse. You can call them 303-803-1380. To call in, organize your pickup, come in, get your beer, and get on home with your Breck brew. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. The saga continues in our interesting NHL coaches questions that we've had over the past couple <laughs> of shows as 2968ATL makes a return, this time asking, if all the coaches in the league had a hot dog eating contest, who would you put your money on to win? Uh, I'm going with Barry Trotz. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely got a hot dog eater look about him. I'll give you oh, that yeah. for sure. And I bet, and I bet, on top of all that, I bet he would trash talk all the other coaches <laughs> while he does it. So he would do it with style. See, 
my strategy, like if I were to be a coach of a coach in this in this game plan, is I'd get John Tortorella really, really mad beforehand and just have him like angry munch some hot dogs down. And he'd be I think he'd slam people. So you'd you'd have him do like the, the John McEnroe thing? Yeah, he exactly. Just gets, he just gets furious and amps himself up so much yep. that he he just can't help but turn himself into a hot dog wood chipper. Yeah, eating machine, basically. He is oh Kobayashi. Yeah. <laughs> In my mind, I'm picturing Tortorella like with a mouthful of hot dogs yelling at the crowd like, this was embarrassing. Like just like screaming his face off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Some like news have a news reporter ready to ask him questions while he's eating, just so you see him get angrier and angrier. <laughs> have have a uh, you have to have a reporter there to second guess every decision he makes. Oh, there you go, perfect. <laughs> you decided to eat that hot dog without the bun. What were you thinking? <laughs> right, that way you know you you know you're gonna get the the best the best version of his anger yep. uh, out of it if if you go that route if you're just like yes this is exactly how we're gonna do this <laughs> yeah um not very different from our, our previous winners i don't think bednar or brenda moore would be any good at, at something like this so you know if there's one thing that I would think that Rod the Bod would be bad at, it's an eating competition. <laughs> right, exactly. But you just never know with how competitive these guys get about stuff. That, that That's true. Rod doesn't work out for like a week, and he's like, I need my carbs. That's right. Gotta burn this off. <laughs> he, might, he might just like hold it, like prepare himself. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, they need to run some of these competitions out here. I'm a little afraid of him, honestly. I would be. I'm afraid of the two people that I'm very afraid of: Rod the Bod and Mike Bibby. Mike Bibby, have you seen him? Not recently. Oh my god, he's like he wants to become the man with the most muscles on earth in his post playing career. He looks ridiculous. He's definitely on the roids, but. He's a monster of a human being. <laughs> Here you go. I'll send you a picture real quick of what he looks like now. But as I'm sending this picture, let's get on to our next question. Uh, this one comes from Drew, and he asks, Can the Avs sign Newhook after the 2020-21 NCAA season and play him in the playoffs without burning a year of his ELC? And if so, do you think it's something that the team should consider doing? Uh, we'll talk about Newhook a lot here, but if they play him, his ELC would get burned. Right. So he cannot keep the three-year ELC if they play him. However, I think they should do it anyway. Yeah, I was going to that's and to be honest with you, it's pretty standard fare these days. Right. For the NCAA high-level talents. They all oh kind God. of end up doing that. Yeah, I'm telling you, Bibby's a beast now. Mike Bibby is scary. <laughs> I mean, he's already part of my nightmares because he was part of the Arizona team that ruined Kansas' season back in the 90s alongside Miles Simon. But now he's physically scary. Yeah, he put on a one pound of muscle for every game of the playoffs that was rigged against him. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> He's a that is a frightening photograph. Um, 
Dude. It's uh, okay. amazing. And now I completely forgot. Oh, um, yeah. No, I would ac- absolutely burn it with New Hook. Um, that's, like I said, it's standard fare these days with top prospects. It's part of the it's part of the enticement to get them to leave. I, I mean, let's just be honest about it. There are many lesser teams in the NHL than the Avs that would be signing New Hook right now to play at the start of next year. This oh, yeah. is a kid who won the Hockey East Rookie of the Year, as well as the one of only two players that were unanimous voted to the all-rookie team, along with Spencer Knight being the other one. And as a rookie, was the second all-team of all of the Hockey East, including upperclassmen this year. So he has accomplished a lot already. He really has. And you're right that uh, most organizations would be signing him right now, but the Avs have the luxury. Yep. They exactly. don't have to right now. And that's, uh, that means they get to just let him do his thing, get even better and go in and continue a Dylan Larkin esque path. Very much. And the Avs are in a great position to allow him to do that. And it's kind of a win-win for everybody for him to get as much experience as he can come in and essentially the goal would be to avoid the AHL for him, right? Like, right. Just jump straight into the NHL at the end of that second year. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And, and even if he doesn't really play much for the Avs at the end of next season, you know, cause they are going to be in a playoff run and blah, 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 right, blah, right, right. And forward core, they're going to be deep and blah, 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 all the stuff we already know. Um, but they, um, Certainly getting him at least to, to come in and practice with them for a little while and then slide him into the lineup, uh, getting him into the into the end of the regular season. Uh, say they've they get him into the final like five or six re- uh, regular season games, uh, I think could be huge for him uh, in, in preparation of like what's next. Right. Yeah. It- just get him that taste, give him an off season of this is what the NHL is like. He has that yeah. knowledge to get ready then. And really, I mean, if he's, if he is, you know, like ready, ready. And he, he comes in and he contributes. I mean, then you just play it. Yeah. But obviously if, if he looks good, don't do any. What am I trying to say? Don't mess with a good thing. Yeah, you don't need to get cute with that. Just play him. And okay. Now we're done. Yep. Okay. Uh, Next question comes from Michael. He asks, what's something fun you've started doing since the start of social distancing? Well, the NVR has been up to quite a bit in that time. Uh, we opened and closed a bar. We opened and closed a bar in a matter of three days, and, which we then followed up with starting both DNVR watches and DNVR gaming, which you can do while sitting at home and social distancing and still kind of hang out with everybody via the digital world. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited about it. as. As much as I'm not a fan of Love is Blind, that's not my favorite part of the of everything, even though AJ low-key loves it. Maybe even high-key. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, I enjoy it. I think it's, in, I think it's interesting. Uh, there are things that I would have changed about it, um, but we have a pod dedicated for that. So Indeed. So keep an eye out for that. I, I know there's a lot of people that don't like it, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. This is not the Broncos pod. 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to force you to sit here and listen to that. <laughs> well, either way, if you love is blind is not for you. The Avs 2001 cup run watch along that we've started was awesome for game one. Really looking forward to the rest of the series as well. So that should be fun. The next game is Friday night at 6 PM. Hope y'all will join us for that. And then on the gaming side, this is just something that, I think a lot of us at DNVR have wanted to do for a while and just Definitely. didn't really have the opportunity until now. So really excited to connect with the community on that side of things, stream whatever games people are feeling, especially sports games. I know we organized a FIFA tournament earlier today. So if you're looking for people to game with, the DNVR community is is all over that as well. So I know just kind of talking about how awesome DNVR is right now, but I'm super psyched on all this stuff. So, And why wouldn't you be? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So if you want to watch me come carry AJ and Rocket League pretty soon here, that'll be where to find it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I found I found my controller. Um, I, I am out of excuses. It's on. Yeah, there we go. There's no turning back now, AJ. <laughs> pretty much. All right. Let's do one more question here in period two. Garrett asks, how high does a salary cap have to get for there to be a change in the max rookie contracts? He goes on to see the say the bonuses don't offset the amazing value they are. Uh, and then he does ask if it has to wait for the next CBA, which it does. It the, does. the rookie contracts are decided in the CBA ultimately. And it's an interesting situation because yes, uh, ELCs are an, an extremely important way to build a team right now under the salary cap because of how much value you can get out of them. Everything I've heard from around the NHL is the teams and the people who decide the CBA aren't making that a big issue. Obviously, the team's very comfortable with it. Uh, the Players Association has bigger fish to fry with things like escrow and, and stuff like that, I think. Yeah, I also think that there's a there's a balance that they need to walk here. Because we saw in the NFL uh, what it what it looked like when young players were getting bajillions of dollars. Right, yeah. like when Sam Bradford came into the NFL as the first overall pick and signed a, a, a contract that guaranteed him fifty million dollars before he ever played it down, ever. Yep. And there are there are Pro Bowl veterans whose entire careers they had made significantly less than that yep. uh, because of because of where they got drafted and all the all the different factors that went into it and so they they went into the cba and they said okay we need a slotting system um like what the nba uses where the higher the pick you still get a little bit more money but it's more reasonable like you're still set for life as long as you're not a moron with it but you're you're no longer making way more than veteran players without ever doing anything. Right. So I think there's a balance to walk there because the ELCs are very valuable, but if you, and and you look at it the way that the way that players have kind of taken some of the power back is like what we've talked about with, uh, with new hook and young players signing ELCs coming out of college, they burn that year. And that's an advantage of going to college. Exactly. You get to that next contract a little bit quicker. Um, yeah, because you can always just 
stay. And the CHL doesn't have that same uh that same that same offer for a guy to do okay, well I'll just stay here. Right. And just won't sign because then after two years, if he doesn't sign, then he just goes back into the draft. Somebody else takes him and he goes through this process again. Still ends up with a three year ELC and or he right. ends up spending two years unsigned playing pro in some random league and it, stuff right. it's really weird at that it, point. But. Exactly. Like it makes no sense. Like it's 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 one of the I think one of the few advantages that I would say college hockey has over the CHL is that uh, for in terms of the players is that they they have a little bit more leverage in their contract situations and they can get that year burned off. Um because yeah. like you look at the Avs, I mean they're going to get 3 years of Bowen Byram. Easy peasy. Yep. And it's going to be awesome. <laughs> so. It's going to be needed. It's it's going to be necessary. So I think that uh, I do think that there are bigger fish to fry in the next CBA than ELCs because they are great values. But um, I, I'm, I'm very pro players getting paid. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm all for them trying to find a middle ground where nine hundred thousand dollars, you know, maybe, maybe top picks, you know, to top first round guys, you're getting two or three million dollars instead of. I mean, just why not just set it in the CBA as a percentage of the cap instead of a hard number? Yeah, that'd be fine, too. Just saying, you know, that way, as the cap goes up, players are continuing to get pay because you look at it now and ELCs are not worth a whole lot more than the veteran minimum anymore. Yep. So that's that's kind of where the issue comes up with that is is the cap kept going up and the numbers they had in the CBA were not matching it. So, and you know, maybe make them, maybe make them shorter. You know, there's, there are some guys, there are some guys who benefit from the contracts being the way that they are, because, you know, maybe they're not going to make that much. You know, you look at a guy like Travis Barron, Travis Barron's getting three years of guaranteed money. Yep. uh, That he's not going to get maybe the rest of his career where he goes year to year on deals. And right. could bounce from league to league to until he retires. You know, the three-year ELC gave him some level of comfort that he otherwise would not have had. So I don't. I as much as I know that there are going to be like people who listen to this who are very pro labor and and whatever you know, and they're like, oh, players need to get paid, and you know, you have let the market dictate it, and et cetera, et cetera. Like there are some players out there who are getting ELCs who are benefiting a great deal from them. Definitely. Even even if like Travis Barron's only making, I say only, like he's only going to make whatever his AHL salary is. It's like seventy grand, I'm sure. Um, but yeah. even then, like, going to make seventy thousand dollars for the next couple of years. That's a good living. It's not set you up for life, money. But a seventh round pick, like. This is this is a guy who realistically probably needed to needs to have like a backup plan in case hockey doesn't work out for him anyway. Yep. And he's going to he's going to make some nice money. You know, if it doesn't work if hockey doesn't work out, say by the time he's 27, he's done and retired and he made he made a nice living playing pro hockey for a number of years, that ELC money is going to be huge for him. If he's smart and he socks it away and he does what he can and takes advantage of all the things that the team pays for over the years. You know, I'm you could you could set yourself up nicely for for different things. Um 
So I don't I don't think that the ELC is all pro team. It's not it's not like the players don't get something out of it. You look at a guy like Martin Kaut, you know, he's five years of of his ELC, and you say, oh, well, his next contract and whatever, whatever, whatever. But that's five years of of guaranteed money that he doesn't have to worry about. It's obviously it's it's a hard thing to balance when you're looking at how it impacts an NHL player and and someone in the minor leagues like that. So. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, like if there's no there are no guarantees. Martin Cow could blow out a knee and never be the same and whatever, but he still gets five years of guaranteed salary. That's true, and that's that's you know it's it, it's it's not ideal for the player. It's not it's not like oh my god, this is amazing, but. It's better it's than some, it's your some hockey sort of career security. is over and you get nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you lo- you do look at the NFL where they have non guaranteed contracts and guys you can just get cut tomorrow. Yep. I mean, there are guys who get drafted, sign contracts, and don't make it through training camp every year. They yep. get cut, and the only money that they make in their NFL career ends up being the signing bonus that they got when they signed their contract, and that's it. Like. The that the contracts in the NHL are guaranteed is a major win for the players' association, yeah. and and that will always be something that they have very much in their favor. Uh, but ELCs, I would agree. I mean that they're. I think percentage of the percentage of the cap is a perfect middle road for both both sides. I'm I'm pretty okay with it as well. So we we'll go ahead and get out of the second period here, uh, as Strava says. Drink deeply, live fully, and pay your players. Strava is a rich CBD-infused coffee that you can now purchase in K-Cups if you have a Keurig. Or if not, they still do have whole bean or ground options as well. You can order it online, and it ships very quickly. So if you need your coffee fix, you can get it that way because you don't have to go out and get it. The CBD is non-psychoactive, and it's been known to help long-term migraines, decrease anxiety, arthritis, and many other aches and pains as well. When you purchase, you can use code DNBR20 to get 20% off as well. So get on it. Get the discount now. Third period of the DNBR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ answering your questions today. The next question comes from Adam. He says, we've seen guys like Brent Burns and Dustin Bufflin switch between offense and defense. With the rapid rise of offensive defensemen, do you think that we'll start to see some of that? again and if so more so than before so i mean no like there's always a couple of guys that can do it right yeah the thing that would make it interesting is special team situations where you're starting to see a rise of, of more versatile players, things like Shohei Otani in baseball who can pitch but also hit at the major league level. Yeah, baseball's uh, actually having like a renaissance of yeah, the two-way player. Exactly. So I do think ultimately that's where every sport leads to when you really start trying to min-max your, your roster and things like that. We've talked about in the past, you know, eventually some team is going to try and run a five-forward um, power play and you're right so where do you draw the line of that's an offensive defenseman quarterbacking that power play or that's just a forward who's playing a defensive spot that's kind of where i think you'll start to see a little bit of a adjustment there 
I think the most obvious candidate for this switch is Ristolainen. Yeah. Uh, he's already standing net front on their power play. Yeah, and even players like Chara, they've used like that, obviously, Chara, because he's a gigantic human being. Right. But... Well, like, Risto, Risto's a big guy, too, but it's yeah. like you just put him in front of the net on the power play, and it's like, hey, this is a, yeah. this is a guy that scored 50 points for you, but he's been brutal defensively despite being big. Maybe, maybe that's a guy that they should consider the other switch because a lot of these switches we're talking about guys going from forward to defense. Yeah, that seems to be the more common scenario. But I, I, I know that there are people who always thought Barry should have been a wing, and I think that would have been an awful idea. Never would have worked. And they, the same ones who still believe that, oh, hey, let's see what Kale McCarr has as a forward. Again, you're talking about removing an element from that from what that player does that makes him special yep that makes him so effective you don't want him on the wall doing those things uh i think i mean mccarr would do it better than barry but it just it you think about what you want in a winger and it's like oh well you can't you can't then turn around and complain that your forwards are soft because you have a bunch of guys who can't win board battles right you know, because you like want Macars and Berries on the way. <laughs> exactly, because you want to play offensive defenseman at forward. Like it's, you know, there are some guys maybe you could make that argument for, but fifty. If you get fifty points out of a defenseman, that's more valuable than fifty points out of a forward. Yep. So you want him back there. I think that's one another... of the reasons why we saw Buffalo and Burns make that transition. Well, and especially. On a team where you can stack things up like the Avs, you run out McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen as a line, and if that needs that little bit of extra push, you play Makar as a defenseman with that. Yeah. And it just spirals out of control for other teams trying to stop that. Right. And we see that that's Graves and Makar are on the lo- are on the ice with McKinnon the majority of the time. Yep. I, th- I mean, that's just smart coaching. It's just playing the matchups well. So... Um, I do, I, I mean, there's always going to be some guys that make that transition, but I don't, uh, I don't think that it's going to be like a thing. Yeah. I don't think it'll be a regular thing. You either. know, we watched, we watched game one of the Stanley cup finals. Eric Messier was playing at forward and he was a defenseman for a long time. He and came into the, he came into the league as a defenseman. The positions are so relatively fluid in hockey anyway that if you have a forward that is quite good on the defensive side you build a line around it that's a shutdown forward line then yeah well and you need and and to be able to to go forward to to defense i think the most impressive part is the ability to skate backwards yeah because we see like landis can't do it but if you watch mckinnon it's actually something i've noticed this year is and the part of this is a result of him turning the puck over at the top of the zone a whole bunch <laughs> is that he's a really good skater going backwards. His transitions are very, very smooth. I was, I've been really impressed with how good of a skater going backwards uh, McKinnon actually is. And of course I thought, I thought to myself once or twice, I was like, I wonder, you know, like, <laughs> I, you put him back there. Take, he what takes a, enough shots from a point these days. <laughs> right? Like, what happens? But then you remember he has kind of a not very good slap shot. And 
you know you're like yeah just just let him be a hundred point center don't dick with that that's he's amazing apart pretty quickly (laughs) yeah right it's just like why oh yeah let's mess around with our franchise player (laughs) anyway point other than me being stupid uh, and having (laughs) dumb ideas while i watch games no i'm uh, I don't think it's a like a wave of the future thing. Uh, there yeah. will be a couple of guys who are able to do it, but I don't. I don't see it as like a big like. You draft a guy, and this is what you want to do. You know, like I, yeah. I don't. I don't know about all that. I. It's strange that we have guys like uh, Bufflin and Burns who turned into really high end defenders. Yeah, but. Bufflin was probably out of position to begin with. Like he probably shouldn't have been a forward. Probably fair, given his body and, type. And Burns, like if you just watch Burns actually play defense, like he's not very good at it. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fine with it. I I think Burns is probably better as a defenseman. It's just he's oh, a very. I, I think Bufflin's better as a defenseman because he'll he'll well, rock you defensively. Yes. Yeah. But I don't think Burns functions as a forward, like, at all. So, I mean, he was drafted in the first round as a forward. And he had some good seasons, but... Yeah, exactly. Comparative, like, the way his game has developed and the massive volume shooter that he's become, I don't think would work as a forward nearly as well with him, because he's not Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, and that's fine. Like, I, I would probably agree there. I just arguing think, semantics at this point. Yeah, anyway. I just think that like with Burns, it's it, he's an interesting case because I think he's really overrated, like a very good player. But I saw there were people on Twitter trying to name their all time lineups and they were putting Brett Burns on their defense. And I'm like, what the f- yeah, no Brent way Burns ain't making any all time defenses. He wouldn't even he wouldn't even make my all decade team like. Um, uh, the, I think I think one of the things that we're seeing with the rise of the analytics is that um, we're losing val we're we're not not like value but we're losing some of the sight, uh, not being able to put a number or evaluation properly on defense like yeah. the actual ability in your own zone. Um, you could kind of put different stats together and kind of build a picture. But not without without being able to really quantify it. You're talking about some guys who are not very good in their own zone get overrated because they drive play the other way. And that's great. Like best defense, good offense and all that. Right. But you still need to be good in your own zone of, at some point. There's you still no... need guys who take care of business defensively right. at some point. Guys who actually excel at that. And it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to, to quantify those guys. It's hard to find them. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to identify. And especially when you're talking about guys who are elite play drivers, the other direction, I think it's more of a, you just live with it. Yeah. That it is what they can it, do. Right. Right. And then, but when you're like building a team, you can't have six Brett Burns's, you know, you can't have only play driving guys going one direction. You're yep. still going to have to kill penalties. You're still going to have to hold one goal leads. You know, you're still going to have to do those things that are difficult that win you games and championships and uh, having good defenders and actually having them be good in their own zone. And this is where I think that the fan base overrates uh, Zadorov quite a bit 
because he's not very good in his own zone. He's good at what he does well, but it's too limited. And that's frustrating because he provides nothing in terms of play driving and offense. Uh, so it's like it's you know we we look at Bufflin and and Burns and it's like I would take Bufflin over over Burns if I was starting a team and I could take prime either one of them I would take Bufflin. I mean it's give and take you'd probably take Bufflin but I think you'd take EK EK sixty five over Bufflin so absolutely but that's because you're I mean. Well, Carl, you're talking about an all-time great in Eric right. Carlson. Exactly. That's, like, that's absolutely, I'm going to take him. So, it, it is what it is. Uh, we'll move along here so this third period doesn't get too long. My bad. I got on no, thing. You're good. It, when you're rolling, I just want to let you go because it's good <laughs> It's good stuff. Um, next question comes from Dayton. Ideal Eagles lineup for next season. Um. There's a couple of holes in mine, just because that's how it's going to be. Uh, but my first line for forwards would be random veteran guy, Bowers and Logan O'Connor. Okay. And then rounding out the forward second line, I have Henry Dries and another vet. Third line, Ty Lewis, Igor, and Cam Morrison. Fourth line, Baron Dickinson, Sajan. Okay. Okay, what do you got? Um, I mean, mostly the same. Okay. Um, I I basically just put down uh, ELC guys, and then I threw two AHL vets in there randomly because you know what's going to happen. So same same basic premise. Yeah, I had Morrison, Bowers, Greer, uh, veteran, veteran O'Connor, Dries, Igor, Henry, Lewis, Dickinson, Barron. Yeah. Pretty much the same thing. Yeah. But I mean, same basic premise here of like, bring back O'Connor, bring back Drys, bring back Greer, let them continue to like, just do their thing. Right. The only guy I didn't bring back was Greer because he's a good AHL player. And so that's why I brought him back. uh, Even though it's obvious that the organization has no interest in him in the NHL. Right. And and I essentially replaced him with an AHL vet. So same difference. Yeah. Um, The defense, I have Timmons and guys. Oh yeah, uh, you didn't even like. No, well, I think Renouf is still on a will be on a deal next year, and so will Lindholm. But yeah, I have Lindholm, Timmins, uh, Renouf, Anderson, and two AHL vets. Yeah, I I wonder if Anderson will even make the lineup. To be honest, but I'm yeah, no, I fully expect that that will be more like four AHL vets, and then yeah. Anderson is going to be in Utah, but. The only graduating defenseman in any form is Byram going straight to the NHL here. So mashed my microphone again. Rip. Yeah. I'm a moron. Don't mind me. And then just get <laughs> Werner in net. Yeah. Werner in net and guy backing him up is what I had as well. I, I mean, I think Miska at this point has totally earned uh, the sure. job for next year. And I would give him the third goalie job at this point. I mean, whatever you want. Uh, it's fine with me. Warner just needs to get his games in. And given that Francois is here for another two years now, it really doesn't even matter that much. Yeah. As far I mean, as I'm the big thing for me is I'm not writing off War- or Miska as a, as a reasonable candidate anymore, just because he's had the season that he's had. Yep. He's been really good, man. And like the reality, and he's 24 years old. He's younger than Antoine Bebo. So, you know, like it's, he's had such a strong year that, I'm this could be a third goaltender. I mean, hell, two years from now, this guy could be backing up 
whoever survives the Grubauer Franco's death match. <laughs> it's possible. Like, and is lurking for that, I would say, but uh, yeah, well, I mean, like down the road, but I mean, we're talking, you know, that's kind of, I mean, Werner's only 22. Miska's only 24. Both guys have had good AHL seasons. You have a top goaltender prospect over in Finland doing his thing. Like this is as healthy as they've ever been goaltending wise outside the NHL. Yep. So a lot of promise there for sure. And kudos to them for taking the chance on Hunter Miska and kudos to Hunter Miska for having the year that he had. Guy was awesome. Yeah, it worked out very well for the Eagles, to say the least. Um, yeah, and he's absolutely earned it, and it just makes me crazy that that they even bothered with Antoine Bebo, but let alone Michael Hutchinson. Look, that was different. Was it? Yes. You're you're sitting here telling me Miska should be the third goalie. I'm not saying I'm agreeing with it, but like they valued experience. I, I would have. I, I know I'm, they did. But. That was that was the only reason Michael Hutchinson happened, and you know what? He won the one game they needed him to win. So True enough. Though, for <laughs> for a guy that they had valued as not not somebody that they had value in. Well, so which I also would have disagreed with building this defense for the Eagles next year. Like Kelly Rosen would have been perfect. Yep. But it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Like. <laughs> One of the things that I told myself that I would do this year on this pod is get better about getting over the little stuff. All right. So he's not, over it. Not letting like these little things continue to just be like, Ugh. fair enough. He's over the little stuff. I'll be the nitpicker from now on. Uh, next question and final question from need cheese sticks is, if what? you had to place the DNVR crew into Fast and Furious characters, who would each person be? <sighs> okay. So, I put actual effort into this. Oh boy, that's more effort than I put in. <laughs> so, uh, you have Dom. Yep. That's gotta be Brandon. Yeah, that one was easy. And then Brian. That has to be RK. Fair enough. And then you have Letty. That has to be Lindsay. I'm with that. Mia obviously has to be Allie. Yep. All right, we got the first four the same. So those are easy. (laughs) (laughs) And then it gets hard real quick. Yeah. I think you and I would make a good Roman Tej. All right. I'm, I can get down with that. Or, or I who's mean, who though? I don't. I didn't get that. I didn't get that specific into it. I just they're I, they're more adversarial than we are, definitely. But like they're still tight, for sure. And I don't know that on any of the other beats that there's like a a tighter relationship than what we have. Definitely way more Rome and Tej than Hobbs and Shaw. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We don't even have a Hobbs. I didn't even. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So, All right. and then, and then Han is like, like King Cool, right? I like guess. He's, he's just like super laid back. Very super chill. Cool, yeah. Very chill. That's totally true. Yeah. Okay. I'm with that. 
everybody likes Han. If you don't like Han in those movies, you're a monster of a human being. <laughs> and if you don't like Drew as a human being, you are also a monster. These are facts. So that made sense to me. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to argue with you on those. I agree with most of it. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to find like who is the youngest person to come up in that show because that would be Henry for sure. Yeah, he could be. Uh, he could be the dude from Tokyo Drift. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the guy who played Mike Winchell in Friday Night Lights. I don't actually know his real name. Don't uh, me and actor names has never been so. a thing. It's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of them, but. I recognize voices better than anything else. I'm really bad with faces. I have, I don't know. I could, I, I'm very bad with faces. Anybody that's come to multiple watch parties could probably attest to this. <laughs> you know, when you hear their voice, but you look at them and you're like, I have no idea who you are. Exactly. Like there are people who are like, Hey, it's good to see you. And I'm like, I don't know who you are, but it's great to see you. And then like, it, it takes me a second to like remember. Register, their voice, yeah. And then I'm like, got it. But like the face, like it takes me multiple times to to see people because I just it's funny because I've run into abs players like out in the city. Yeah. And like they've said hi to me, but I didn't say hi to them because I didn't recognize them. <laughs> um, most famously, this happened to me when I ran into Eric Johnson yeah, in, this, nice. in the city and he was like, hey, Jay. And I was like, oh, hey. And then like I, it kind of like took me a sec and I was like. Oh God, that was EJ. Yeah. <laughs> so like I went back and I was like, hey man, like how's it going? Like I made like conversation with them, you know, and it was uh anyway. EJ's totally the guy to say hi to you just randomly in the city too. Uh yeah. Well I did, Tyson Berry did it to me at Panera and I got super embarrassed. <laughs> You're like, oh man, people know who that is. <laughs> yeah, well, because like there were people who were in there who were like, Oh my god, it's Tyson Berry. And he like came <laughs> over and like said hi to me and like was talking to me and blah blah blah. And it was like he went out of his way to talk to you. Yeah, like yeah. he just like came over, just like to say hi and like whatever, right? And it was like, oh my god, this is embarrassing because like then of course all those people are like, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> and it was just like, oh, don't do this, don't do this, because I am, I am very easily embarrassed by attention. You gotta live in the moment. That's when you rip the shirt off and you have DNVR yeah. underneath. No, nobody wants. Nobody. No. <laughs> that's not anybody's idea of a good time <laughs> i bet it's somebody's <sighs> anyway um, on that note <laughs> yeah on, on that note those are our dnvr as fast and furious characters um we don't really have anybody to play the gal gadot character no we straight up don't so i don't know we'll have to live with a an incomplete roster of, of fast and furious people yeah. Well, and like the Ross, like the, the, um, you know, the thing, the, oh, yeah, the, thing. the cast, it rotates so much. Oh yeah. Every third movie, it's like eight new people get introduced and you're like, right. who are all these dudes? Right. And, and like, they're all like, oh, Hey man, it's good to see you. And it's like, should I know this person? <laughs> oh yeah. Me and him, we go way back. Right. And then you're just like, what in the world? Like if, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. While we were doing this, I pulled up the uh, Fast and the Furious character page. Yep. Nope. This is <laughs> insanity, dude. This is a good, like, 50 people. <laughs> dude. 
It's probably more than that. <laughs> They've got a huge list of just the main characters. And then there are primary supporting characters. And then secondary supporting characters. And then primary antagonists and secondary antagonists. Yeah, that's too many. That's just too many categories, let alone people. Dude, and like almost none of these people come back for a second one. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, Deckard Shaw shows up. Jason Statham shows up for a couple movies. And then he's gone. Otherwise, villains are all over the place. (laughs) And secondary supporting characters, like some of them have multiple movies and some of them don't. And there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, I don't know, man. This this is wild. I've seen all these movies, and there are some of these characters. I I'm like, I don't know who this is. <laughs> there, so this is what happens when your uh, movie series gets more than ten shows. I tell you, and I'm a big fan. I think Fast and Furious is awesome. No, I love it too. But especially when they decided that they were like done with like street racing, and they were like heist movies. I'm like, yes, <laughs> heists are awesome. But also not movies you watch for the character development, really. We'll put it that way. (laughs) Not movies that you watch to remember character names. You just remember cool stuff that they do with the cars. Exactly. (laughs) Cool car stuff. Not the rest of this. All right. Well, I guess on that note, (laughs) it's time to wrap up the podcast. Uh, I... Oh my god. This is what y'all wanted, all right? You said you wanted us to answer questions, so here we are. (laughs) I hope y'all enjoyed it as much as we enjoy answering them. If y'all want it every week, we'll bring it every week. So keep the crazy questions coming. I like this question that we didn't pick about picking an animal we would like to ride. Uh, See, I didn't even see that question. It probably came in. Pick one animal you would like to ride, then debate which would win in a race with you as jockey. What? I, I hate horses so i, I oh my god my man <laughs> i can't stand horses they freak me out dude i my parents tried to put me on one when i was very very young and it immediately bucked me off and i landed on my head never again <laughs> there you go so that's what happened yeah got it that's why i'm so messed up <laughs> well at least we figured out the inciting incident <laughs> Anyway, we're going to get out of here. Thank you all for your questions. And yeah, you guys know the drill. We'll be back tomorrow with more hockey. Avs, Devils, game two. We'll be reviewing it. So until then, take it easy. Mile High Green Cross has award-winning products and has everyday low prices on in-house products such as $99 prepack ounces and V3 hash oil bulk deals, five cartridges for $100. Bucks. If you sign up for their loyalty program, you can get 20% off your entire purchase once every single month. And be sure to let them know, show them some love on Twitter, things like that. Give them a tag and, and we all can get together and be one big happy family. They have a convenient location on ninth and broadway you can get in and out very quickly you don't have to spend much time out there make sure you get home keep your quarantine going all that business and when you sign up for their loyalty program you get that sweet deal as a kicker so yeah my high green cross enjoy it the fbr avalanche with hey